This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. You're on Joy 94.9 with Dan or Mason, but not really because it's Lee Casey in the hot seat this afternoon. Sitting next to Lee and pretty much directly in front of me is uh, Jackie Dowdy, who's the curator of an exhibition at the Potter Museum of Art running currently. It's called State of the Union. It explores the relationship between art and the labour movement through a bunch of different types of stuff. Jackie, welcome to Join 94.9. Hi, thanks for having me. You, well, we, we were going to have you last week and you got yourself involved in a, in a tussle. I did. I got, well, my car got hit by a car. I didn't literally get hit by a car. So. When come the self-driving generation, that's <laughs> going to get nasty, isn't I it? I know. Were it you will. hurt? Are you all right? No, I'm okay. Thank you for asking. Terribly inconvenient to reshed. Very inconvenient. <laughs> no, we were really worried about it last week, so I'm glad to see that you're up oh, and you're very sweet. up and curating things again. Yes. Um, when you tell people in a lift or at a party what you do for a living, what do you say? Do people get confused by? They, I think people are confused about what curators do because it's so much more than just choosing the artworks that are in a show. There's a heck of a lot of logistics. It is basically project management. Um, but I think people picture you just sitting there guarding the artworks. So I have an uncle whose ongoing joke is that he visited my gallery once and there were five paintings and five staff members and that it was one per artwork. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit more to it than that. Um, so we do come up with the ideas for shows and we select the artists and select the artworks, but then it comes down to the nuts and bolts of, well, how do you get those artworks into the building? Freight. Do you have enough money to? How do you raise the money if you don't? All of those sorts of project management Because, of course, Potter is part of the Melbourne University. Is that where your funding comes from exclusively? Not exclusively. So we get core funding from the university and then for a special project we can get funding from, say, the state government or the federal government. This exhibition was funded by the City of Melbourne and by Creative Victoria Mm -hmm. and also a bunch of unions very kindly sponsored us. So the ACTU did and the NTEU, the Education Union. It must be a better collective term for unions than a bunch, like a quarrel of trade (laughs) unionists. Perfect. (laughs) Even better than a gaggle. A bitch of unions. Anyway, I digress. So tell us about the State of the Union. So evidently it's all about... um, imagery from the labour movement in Australia specifically? Mostly there's a few international works just to give people a broader context for the Australian work but it started out it was going to be a contemporary art show and so there was one work in particular that inspired me that looks at female factory workers in South Korea and I saw it at the Venice Biennale a few years ago and was sitting in the middle of the gallery crying which is not normally what I do when I visit a museum but I was so touched by these women's stories it's a really powerful work so that is in the show and that's often how my shows develop there's one work that really affects me and I start seeing that subject everywhere and the show begins to build um But as I was researching contemporary works in Australia, I realised there were two historical periods in Australia where it wasn't just about artists looking at unions as a subject matter for an artwork. They were actually embedded within the union movement. So they were genuine collaborations and partnerships between artists and trade unions. So I became quite fascinated by this. And um, so the show, in addition to contemporary artworks, looks at historical art from the 30s, 40s and 50s, that social realist period, and the 70s and the 80s, when there was a funding program that was jointly run by the um, Australia Council, 
an arts funding body and the ACTU. So a real partnership between those two worlds that funded artists to make artworks to do with working culture, mm. often within workplaces or within trade unions. Yeah, I guess you'd have three big waves which represent the labour movement, like the the swing back to the left in politics in mm. Australia, particularly that 70s, late 70s. Yeah, thing. well, that funding definitely came out of the Whitlam era. Mm. So I was thinking when I first saw this that this is going to be about um, political slogans and propaganda, but it's beyond that, isn't it? Although that's the fun There's bit. There's definitely a bit of that. So the work ranges from quite um, abstract conceptual art through to propaganda, agitprop and, and everything in between. There's a real range of materials and work that was created for public context and wasn't really seen as art and then work that was created for the gallery and is is just high art. So that, that divide between... Popular culture and high art is a sub-theme in the show. Is this something that's now, def- not defunct because it exists, but is it something that is still a, a, a method of art? Like, is it, Are we still creating artworks that would be featured in this? Yeah, definitely. So I would say about half of the show is contemporary right. art and it's artists who are, are looking at the topic of trade unions. But also there's a group of artists in the show, or a few representatives of a group called the Workers' Art Collective, one of whom is Sam Wallman. Um, and he did a work recently looking at the intersection between working culture and the University of Melbourne and students. And um, it's he's a political cartoonist as well as an artist. He's based out of Trades Hall. Um, so an example of the way creative practitioners are making work that can be seen as art but is also embedded in the trade union context and is a form of activism as much as it is a form of art. Mm. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Jackie Doughty, who's the curator of State of the Union at Potter Museum of Art running currently. It's uh, it's already kicked off and it runs right through until the 28th of October? Yes. Close Mondays. I don't know what you do with your Mondays. Ah, oh, we just hang out. Yeah. That's right, you clean your plinths. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we polish the frames <laughs> of the paintings. That's right. And it's not all paintings, I know that. Yeah. It's uh, Tuesday to Friday, 10am to 5pm. I'm getting to the good bit. It's Saturday to Sunday, 12 noon to 5pm. Who doesn't love a bit of that? Because there's bars all around there. And Monday closed, but it's free admission. Yes. How are you going to make money out of that? We don't have to. We're not uh, for profit. There you go. Yeah. Thank you, University of Melbourne. I was thinking, because you're, you're here, Jackie, sat next to Lee Casey, who's, of course, another... Mm. I'm, you're not a curator, but you're an arts type. Yeah, I'm I not d- a curator. But you're I'm, at the University of Melbourne. I, too, am at the University of Melbourne at Science Gallery Melbourne, uh, working in uh, communications. I would have thought that you guys would all know each other, but you were surprised to run into each other here today. Wow. It's a massive place, the it's University of Melbourne. It's a very big place. See, One for those of, of the state's in- biggest employers, in fact. Is it really? Yes. Like its own little town. So you didn't run into each other at the Christmas party? No. No. (laughs) Shame. Um, State of the Union, do you have, uh, Jacqueline Doughty, your favourite piece? Is it it still the Korean work? Uh, I think one of the most spectacular pieces is I was lucky enough to um, to borrow an extraordinary huge banner from 1915. It's so fragile that we're not allowed to hang it anymore. It used to be, when it was originally used, it was carried through the streets, held mm. upright. We have to have it on a flat plinth because every time they unroll it, it crackles a bit and paint falls off. It's oh. that fragile. But it's just a beautiful object and that's in the very first gallery when you walk in. It's four by four metres. It's massive and it, it really sets the tone for the show. I so. think all of that... Um, protest and uh, marching banners and all that stuff. I think that's coming back because of Trump. Mm. I think that some of the funnest times I've had watching um, Trump is all the um, the banners that the Scots made for him. You yeah. know, they're sort of... Yeah, absolutely. It's all coming back. Yeah. And, and, and the, least, the less 
men affected the better? Like just sort of paint on calico seems to be the Mm. way forward. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few examples of that from the recent Change the Rules rally where 100,000 people or more walked through the streets of Melbourne and this sense that things really have to change, that the industrial relations laws aren't enough to project protect workers, mm. that it does fall back to unions to renew the workers' movement. And there's a few banners from that march um, that were made by farm workers, migrant farm workers up in the Goulburn Valley. And it is just literally painting on yep. canvas. Does Trade Tool have its own gallerist? Like its own, um, it would have its own collection, would it not? It does. It has an amazing collection. There's a number of works in the show that are taken from unions and from boardrooms of unions. And the Meat Workers Union has an incredible collection. If you walk around that, there's ceramics and paintings and all sorts of amazing things on their walls. Hmm. Yeah. I had this question for a curator. So, you know when you, you borrow a work from another gallery or mm-hmm. say from trade, how, does that, how do you negotiate that? Like, so, is that part of your job to go yeah. up and say, hey, can I have this? Yes, it's different every scenario so you might I had a meeting with someone at the CFMEU and he was talking about their collection and he described a few things and I I said to him I would love to show that so we we found it it was um one of the banners a a banner that was done in 1988 because there's a bit of a revival of that tradition Mm. in the 80s um and we found it in the car park of the CFMEU in in a plastic um, tube right next to a car battery on the yeah. Ground. It's like when you so go. <laughs> it's like when you go to your uncle's place and you say, "Can I borrow that lawnmower?" He's like, "Yeah, I think it's um, I don't know." Yeah. And then, you, and but, then how, yeah. But and then, then with state galleries, it's more formal. You have mm. to get your the director of your organisation to write a letter to the director of their organisation. You have to leave enough time for it to be processed. And, it's and do they charge formal. you? No. Wow, I don't understand it. It's like borrowing books from your friends and. Like, it, it, there's always one or two left on the shelf, isn't there? And they mm. come over at Christmas and they go, hey. Yeah. Is that my copy of The Slap? I'm like, no, I think that was... <laughs> I think I bought that. Um, yes, the exhibition. Do I call it? Yes, the exhibition is called State of the Union. Jackie Doughty, thanks so much for joining us on Joy 94.9. Thank you. What's coming up next? It felt like it was going to end, but then I had another question just popped into my brain. (laughs) The next one, our summer show, is Clement Meadmore, The Art of Mid-Century Design. So gorgeous 1950s furniture. Quite beautiful. Yeah. Have you been to Palm Springs? No. It is all that. It is the most beautiful place to. I love a bit of 50s kitsch. Well, I know that, you know, not-for-profit, but certainly there need to be some... Yeah, some, there need to be some the perks. research trip. Yeah. 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 No, I was We've thinking more of Vanuatu, but I can't mm. see how to fit yes, that into the It's not great mid-century program. kind of... No. 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 Still work on that. Yeah. Give it a little spin, maybe a stopover in Palm Springs. Yeah, yeah. Um, the exhibition is open at the Potter Museum of Art. That's the Melbourne Uni, Uni campus, not the one at NGV, importantly. Admission is free and it goes right up till Sunday the 28th. What's the website that we can go to and have a look if oh, we need? Oh, it's complicated. I can never remember it. That's true. Google it. Google it. Google, Google it. it. <laughs> Thanks, Jackie. You're on Joy 94.9 with uh, Lee Casey, D Mason, and everybody else. Joy. You're with Dana Mason on Joy 94.9. Dana, of course, and we'll try and see if we can't call her, call her in because she's mm. um, up in a... I can't say what, what, what town she's in because she's a very private person. Could be cocktail hour where she is, though. Mm. Well, she's not a drinker. Mm. Uh, Lisa, Sto- Lisa Stormy Daniels, as mm. we call her, mm. around, <laughs> around, the, around the office. Um, Dano, if you're listening, hi. Of course, we've, I've had to drag in poor Lee Casey. Hello, Dano. Hello. Sorry for tarnishing your reputation. That's right. Well, you work in the theatre and the arts, so you like a bit of boom, boom, boom. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this evening the part of Lisa Dan will be played by Lee Casey. Yeah, Everybody goes, right. oh. oh, what a shame. Isn't that all? Imagine being backstage, ready to go on for your big understudy role, and they make that announcement and the whole crowd goes, oh. oh. And then half of them walk out. Yeah. Not the half you want, though, is it, Lee? No, never is. Never is. Now, Lee Casey distinguishes herself, because I was speaking to Rachel, our producer, during the week. You can com- confirm these details, Rachel, or else. And you said, well, I know Lee Casey. And I said, well, she distinguishes herself by two things. She looks exactly like her Bitmoji, and she's um, shortly to be married in a gay way. Congratulations. Yeah. I'll give you this. Thank you. The Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So you and your lovely partner are are soon to be married. Yes, that's right. And you are my first gay wedding. I am also my first gay wedding. So you have not even been to one to do your research. I have not, no. I've been to many a not gay wedding. Uh, We call them heterosexual unions. Mm. Mm. Um, But no, this will be my first and... uh, you know, hopefully the last one that I'm actively involved in. Yes. As a bride. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, just just a oncer. Yeah. For you. Just a oncer. Well, you're leaving a hopefully. bit late to cram, cram another. Well, your partner exactly. certainly is. Yeah, that's right. She's you're, not getting any younger. That's for sure. You're in a relationship with somebody a tiny bit older than you. I am. That's, that's going, true. Going great. Yeah, it's going very well. Right. I do know her. Mm. She's tops. So, how's it been with the uh, gay wedding? Has there been? You know, you're in the thick of it now. You're a couple of months away. Yeah. What's the hardest bit? Well, I think, you know, early on I was like, oh, this is easy. I mean, I've worked on a lot of events in my time for work. Just a party. Just a party. But as you get deep in, you start to care about details that, you know, you thought you might not, like Mm. the thickness of the pen to write the invitations. (laughs) Um, What did you go with? It's not something that I (laughs) I thought I would care about, but... Did you go with 0.7? Because I had given that some thought. Uh, well, no, we've now stalled even writing them in order to get the correct pen. Oh, dear God. But thanks for the tip, point seven. I'll tip. look into that. See what you've mm. done there. Um, what about, so if, has anybody been shocked and amazed that you are getting gay married? No, but I do think you get a lot more credibility as a gay wedding. People are extremely excited. Suppliers, yeah. Um, suppliers, guests. Other, you know, hopefully the listeners of this uh, great show. Um, But they do get very excited. I suffer from having a uh, gender neutral first name. Yes. So often with the email introductions, Lisa and Lee are getting married. You know, they will assume it's a heterosexual wedding. And and in turn dismiss it. Yes. And then when I reveal myself in Mm. our meeting. uh, In my lady ways. (gasps) Oh, that Lee. Yeah. There's often sort of slight confusion and then, you know, overcompensation from suppliers. Yeah. Yeah. So you you can't even play your gay card before you get in there. Well, you know what? I've just taken to openly saying it is a same-sex wedding. Oh, right. Mm. Okay. Because you do also want to rule out any, you know, vendors, as they call them on Pinterest. Yes. Um, <laughs> who, uh, you know, who might be homophobic. Look, I do some work in the um, in the wedding industry. Mm. I try not to, as, mm. as you know. Um, and we DJ are, work? or we are, uh, No, I'm, a, I'm in fact a graphic designer. So sometimes you, it's like Russian roulette. Sometimes you just end up as one in the barrel and it happens to be a bride. Mm. Um, and I generally say no, Lee, because brides historically are known for not being nice. But two brides just sound shitful. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe two brides rule each other out. Oh, well, mm. yes. 
I think I think that's the that's the theory I'm going with. I guess because you're um, you know amortizing the pain across two yeah, ladies. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, I'm probably more interested in the detail than my fellow bride. Yes, um, but you know we all play to our strengths in these situations. <laughs> yeah. Right now, I know that you've got your your outfit organised. I do. It does it's look very delightful. exciting. And we, I think, I can reveal to the world that we're going for a. There'll be a frock involved and a suit involved. That's right. Because I've seen some crazy things, but not one of those half half. Um, no, <laughs> well, that outfits. would be a great thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Half each. No. Mm. Now, your partner, I know, has um, and I spoke to her at a function recently, mm. and she Lucky seems you. to think that she's going to get away with not purchasing a new suit for the wedding. That is correct, and um, I'm glad to share this with the listeners because I find that outrageous. I think all our listeners will find that outrageous if you're on board 0427 Joy 949. Does a human woman or anybody, human man, should you get a new suit and or a new frock for your wedding? Of course you should. Yeah, Don't absolutely. even bother texting and we have the answer, but, you know, but maybe you want to recycle. Do anyway, yeah. Your bride's um, excuse is that I look so good in this, why would I need another one? Yes, but those who know my bride also know that she believes she looks good in most things. Yes, that's true. Which is one of the things we do love most about her. Joy. You're on Joy 94.9 and you can plan your talk topics with precision as much as you like. But then an issue will crop up. And you just got to know the answer and you've got to ask the people. I said to Rachel, do you say H or H? Because I'm confused what's right. Rachel put on her officious voice, producer voice and said, both are correct. One is American, one is uh, Australian. Lee Casey said, well, which one, darling? And now you've been Googling it. What is the answer? The answer is the original pronunciation is H and H has become a variant that's it's been introduced by the Americans. Yeah, that's H. got them all over it, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. H. Hey, H. No. So we shall all say H. H. I know that that's what I was taught, but then I was wondering why, because in one of the ads we just had, there's a lot of H's, and I thought maybe it was an Australianism, but it is, in fact, an American thing and to be derided. Am I right? Am I right, ladies? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, now we're coming up to the news at five with Judy Kelly, which is going to be fabulous because she's always got a little something for us. But before that, I just wanted to flag this with you guys because I want to get some feedback from Mm. them. Um, Tenants, I was going to say, because I'm an idiot (laughs) (laughs) from my tenants, from the listeners, uh, Rach, uh, Lee, Mm -hmm. Nicole. We're listening, Lee. I'm moving house. I'm moving. I've, I've resided south of the river for... Let's just say ever. Ever. And I've decided to move myself to the northern suburbs. I didn't realise it was such a big deal, but when I announced it on the Facebook, people went shit for it. Oh, yeah. Winter is coming, Dee. Yeah. North of the wall. I've had Mm. lots of comments on it. I want to know. We're going to flesh it out after the uh, news, but I want to know. Can't wait. Well, no. I'm not going to flesh it out after the news. I just realised that I forgot to get the news sting, so I'm going to try and do that thing where you talk and find the news sting at the same time. Lee... Yes. You live north. I do. I do live north. <laughs> um, as as do, does Rachel. As does Rachel. I did. I grew up in the north. In fact, I, I grew up almost directly on the northern bank of the Yarra River. So wow. literally north of the river. Actually on the river. Pretty much. Basically wow. what I know, guys, is what do I need to do to prepare for northern living? Because I'm used to beaches. 
You know, there's a certain cafe lifestyle, but I understand for that it's a very different business over there. That North Face puffer vest you wear is going to have to go. Where does that go? Well, that stays south, my friend. Really? Mm. What about my Lycra leggings? Do you get that North? They stay too. You get that North, but not lesbian North. Okay. Mm. Well, I am in the lesbian North. Is Fairfield the lesbian North? Yeah, I believe so. I've Mm. got a confession to make. Go on. Both me and my partner own matching North Face puffer vest and we live in lesbian Brunswick. Wow. Wow. There you go. But are you from somewhere else? The Alfingtons. You've got a Canadian vibe about you though, so it could be, you know, that sort of... I could pass it off as being foreign. Lesbian as a second language kind of problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's my... You might not... not NSL. That's right. She's a little NSL. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to know... So what I'm I'm looking for after the news is how do I prepare? How have I got to change my dress? Uh, Dear listener, you might not know what what I look like. You just need to go to Daniel Mason Facebook page. You get an idea. I'm thinking maybe... in a barrel. I'm I'm thinking of um, stop being... I think I can't be blonde, North. Is that right? You definitely can't be blonde. No blonde. I can't eat meat. And I've got to chub down a little bit. Like, you can't be a little bit chubby. I think they're all sort of thin and interesting, aren't they? Well, I'm neither of those things. So You're a little uh, bit interesting. Representing. You know. I think you can eat meat, but it's, you know, sort of weird meat. Weird meats. Good. Joy. Hey, Rachel on the, uh, on the airwaves, there's been a number of people texting in with my question that I put to our tenants um, <laughs> regarding... What I need to do, having lived for, let's call it, 50 years in the South. Now, I did spend a little bit of un- university time over North Carlton yep. and whatnot, but not really. My life has been spent in the southern suburbs of Melbourne, currently Elwood, moving myself to Fairfield. There's some changes that I have to make. Obviously, we've, Lee Casey has given me, we can't be rocking blonde hair over there. Mm. I think what I'd have to do is, do I just let it go grey? Mousy? No, Pick a colour. Yeah, pick a colour. Go a colour. Solid block colour. Solid block colour. Yeah. Okay. And shall I... I can just let it go ratty. I don't think people care quite as much about the blonde bob. No, we don't really care about the blonde bob. We're anti-blonde bob, in fact. Okay. So just let it go. Mm. Mind you, I think most of the hairdressers, most of the good hairdressers are in the north. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, it's got to be something interesting. The other thing that you'll find is you'll get like a very exact fade if you want one. Yeah, that's true. That Mm. is true. Yeah, I want an exact fade. There's there's a lot of barber. Okay. Barbers that all that all seem. I feel like I've done short hair. I feel mm-hmm. like it's time for a pony, oh, a yeah. high pony yeah. maybe, or mm-hmm. a side pony. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Um, in terms of clothing, I understand from Lee that I'm not to be rocking a puffer vest anymore. Um, am I looking for knits? Well, all black, obviously. Obviously, not too much mm-hmm. colour. You can keep your shirt done right up the top so there, like the way you like, I like it. Like a top button. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could I could team this. I'm wearing a grey button-down shirt, but I could team this with a black cardigan. With a black cardigan, yeah, for I sure. I just feel if you're going to wear tight black jeans, you have to thin it out a bit. You've got to be a little... Maybe I'll start smoking or taking drugs. Oh, God. <laughs> Is smoking still happening in the north? No. No, no but okay. probably more than the south. Yeah, there's not a lot of smoking down no. south. I, mean, I think it's pretty much dead, let's be honest. Mm. Um, Tibetan prayer flags, tick. Now, you had a good point, Lee, which is regarding what I eat. Yeah, I think you need to develop a food intolerance before moving north. Mm-hmm. Probably gluten. If you I can think. muster gluten. Yeah, a gluten sensitivity. 
Mm-hmm. Do you mean sensitivity in the way that you can run around saying you're gluten-free for functions and parties, but you can actually just woof down a sausage roll <laughs> when you need your, it? Yeah, when yeah. you need it. I mean, yeah. hungover. Yeah. It, that, those mornings when your intolerances leave. That's right. That's right. It's like, you know, vegetarians with a side of bacon. Yeah. Mm. Oh, or uh, Jewish friends with a side of bacon mm. too. There's a bit of that. Um, clothing needs to be vintage. Am I right? Yeah, vintage. A little yeah. pattern. Sort of, you know, some sort of ironic logo. Yeah. I've got you. Um, now, I will continue to commute on a bicycle and, Rachel, you feel that there's a different way to carry your belongings, your goods and chattels when you're in the north? Yeah, look, it's it's not a backpacky place and um, if you're carrying in a, in a satchel, it kind of swings around to the front on a bike, so yeah. you're up for a set of panniers. Right, so I'm carrying my bits in a satchel, light bits, but my computer and stuff is going... Do we have computers in the north? Yes, Macs only. Macs only, yeah. Mm. Well, I'm on board, obviously. Mm. So, panniers on the bike. Yeah. Which I think in the south you'd be poo-pooed for. Would you? Yeah. Do I have to go and... Oh, God, I know what's going to happen next. It's going to be a co-working space, isn't it? Yeah. 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 We've, um, we've had another text in from this time from Shelley yeah. in Abbotsford and she's saying welcome to the Nojo, which is apparently short for North of Johnson Street. Aww. You mm. can't swing a cat on Turner Street, Victoria Park and not hit a gay household. Mm. Well, why would you want to? It is true. Riddled why, with them over there. Why would you Riddled want to not hit gays. a gay household with a cat? <laughs> I mean, that's cray. Joy. Do you ever have those friends and you're sort of like, you know them, like you know you know them, mm. you know. But you don't really know exactly what they do. Yeah. Like you kind of, and then you, your friendship's gone so far that you you're task. like, you go, well, like Kath mm. Pope, let's be honest. We all know her. We've <laughs> known her for years. Hi, Popey. Hi, Popey. She always listens. She likes to text in. Nobody really knows. That's often people in the private enterprise because, like, mm. what do you do? Nobody knows what I do. Nobody cares, if I'm honest. But you have a real job. But at least you can say, you know, graphic design. It's easy just it's to say, it's trade. A good, yeah, it's a good elevator pitch, yeah. isn't it? I do graphic design, I need more work, that kind of thing. Yeah. But you don't, you do something fascinating. You work for the University of Melbourne, most specifically in its department of the Science Gallery. Correct. Which I thought was just some cockamamie idea that Rose Hiscock came up with, like, you know, <laughs> let's put science and art together. No. But it's actually a worldwide phenomenon. It sure is. Part of a global network of galleries, in fact, Who, why, where, where did this idea come from of putting science and the arts together? The Irish were the Get originators out. of Science Gallery. Um, so Science Gallery Dublin opened 10 years ago in 2008 as part of uh, Trinity College oh, yeah. in Dublin. So is it always based around a university? Always attached to a university. Mm-hmm. Um, and Science Gallery London will open later this year mm-hmm. and Science Gallery Melbourne will open officially in uh, 2020. Do you know how many total we have? There will be uh, ha- how many in the world? Mm-hmm. There will be eight by 2020. Wow. So it's a pretty rapidly growing phenomenon. Yeah. And you all share your exhibits? No, well, not so much our exhibits. We share some things. We share the brand. We share the kind of principles and the processes of how to curate an exhibition. Um, and occasionally we share uh, content and exhibitions as well. I've got to say, I went to see Blood, the exhibit. That was yes, last year, was wasn't last it? last year, that yeah. That was extraordinary. Our and first pop-up program. Yeah, because that's before you've built your prop- your big that's building, right, which is what you're doing now. That's beautiful new gallery. But Blood was extraordinary and certainly, um, you know, visceral in the... I got a little bit queasy, if I'm honest. Yeah, you do tend towards the queasy, though. Mm. 
vomiting in my own dishwasher, mm, mm. etc. Um, <laughs> story for another story time. Story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> um, what what qualifies something as a science gallery project then? So we uh, come up with all of our uh, ideas and concepts through a sort of think tank process. So we have two groups. We have a group called our Leonardo's who help us curate uh, ideas and topics for future themes. They're amazing people, uh, successful artists such as Patricia Piccinini, um, scientists including uh, Nobel uh, Prize winner Peter Doherty, um, broadcasters uh, and a bunch of other really super smart, amazing people. And we also have a group of young people called uh, our Psycurious group um, and they also talk about the topics that are interesting and important to them. I thought you were going to pick another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle name for that young group. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, you know, you could get the, a... <laughs> the Michelangelo's, <laughs> <That's right>. yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. you didn't. No, we no. didn't. No, okay. no. No. Um, so, yes, yeah, so this year uh, we are exploring the theme of perfection. Oh, finally. Mm, I know. So, um, and I guess through exploring perfection, we're also looking at imperfection. Is this in the human form necessarily or in the, in the sort of in nature? Both. So we're looking at, there's a number of kind of sub-themes in the exhibition. One is around uh, maths and physics. So maths kind of being you know, the perfect language of science and the closest we can kind of get to perfection from a scientific perspective. Sounds boring, but it's actually... Um, no, I think max, maths is sexy yeah, right now. I think maths is hot right now too. Mm. Um, and then we also are looking at uh, utopian worlds from, uh, so environment, biological, etc. And then we're looking at the personal pressures of perfection. So science galleries, exhibitions are all for younger people, mm-hmm. 15 to 25. And, um, you know, there are a lot of pressure, particularly in this social media age, uh, for young people to uh, pursue perfection. So there was there's something I was reading about your perfection exhibition a little while ago. And I understand, and um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but there's something that scans your face and suggests whether, does it rate you in terms of its perceived level of perception or its actual perfection? It's, it's, I guess it's got a sort of algorithm of perfection yeah. plugged in. Yeah, that's right. So this is a project called Biometric Mirror, which is a research project out of engineering at the uh, University of Melbourne. Um, and they're working with an amazing artist called Lucy McRae to bring this research to life. So um, it's uh, AI, so an AI algorithm that scans your face um, and has, I guess, is based on a data set that then gives you a series of uh, rankings, sort of high, medium or low on... Um, it's not hotness though, is it? Not hotness, no. Although uh, in, in one version of the work, not in Science Gallery's version, but in one version it does rate your attractiveness. Right. I got average. Did you, darling? I did. Which well I done. Thought, I thought that was a bit harsh. <laughs> well, don't ask if you don't want to know the answer as my Great mother used to say. Great face for radio. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. right. Um, but was it based on... So it's based on it's based on data sets. So basically, the, uh, you use a certain amount of photographs, and then actual humans look at it and go, "Yeah, yeah they're this, they're that." They're are they Western white humans though? 
Like, uh, imagine globally, there's so many different yeah. ideas of perfection. Oh, and beauty. absolutely. And so, and what this project is sort of showing is the flaws in these algorithms, and also the danger of these types of things, and these types of artificial intelligence getting into the wrong hands. So, yeah. there are some um, shopping centres at the moment that are face scan you when you walk in right. um, or when you look at one of those touch screens and then they start to yeah. uh, profile you accordingly on, on what you might, what they think someone that looks like you, D might yeah. want to shop for. Well, you know what they're going to get is... A puffer I guess, jacket. I guess, I, guess, yeah, I guess what they're going to get is the large, the larger version of me, you know, when you accidentally... Maybe on the toilet or just sitting down quietly by yourself and you accidentally turn your camera around and take a photo of your own face. <laughs> I know, it's always horrible, it's isn't a, it? Yeah. It's like when you are having your hair cut. Yeah. Why, does, why am I so why ugly I'm, at the hairdresser? Yeah, yeah. I don't mm. know, Lee. Well, you, mm. you, you're in charge of the algorithms, you tell me. <laughs> I think it's, it's a bizarre idea, but I guess, I mean, the science of it fascinates mm. me. I want to see, I mean, I like the technology there. I imagine I've got a little friend who is Asperger and I can imagine that if you could... Um, photograph somebody's face mm. and then have have it say to him she's happy or she's yeah, angry at you sure. right now. Although it becomes apparent when you're angry at him pretty quickly. But, mm. you know, that sort of being able to read a face or being able to read emotion, I find that science interesting. Rating people on hotness based on what other people reckon is kind of... I don't know, do you find it dangerous? It is dangerous and that's what, again, what the project is trying to show, how dangerous these algorithms are. Um, and, you know, Chinese governments now, Chinese police have... Um, facial recognition glasses so as they're walking around um, the streets they're profiling people wow. based on their looks which is pretty frightening really yeah doesn't look good for you and I in China no that's right um, now we can no, this is not yet open no it opens on the 12th of September it does. and it runs through to the 3rd of November 4th maybe even mm, maybe well 3rd we'll, we'll see you won't yeah. know you won't know by then <laughs> You'll be out of your mind with wedding planning by then. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Closes a week before the wedding. Oh, so. wow. That'll be quite... An, well, just have, why don't you just have the... Because I know the opening night party for this will be great. It will Bring be. Bring the wedding forward. Yeah, that's right. And have right. it at that. I Can must I, say the party is, is, will be, you know, oh. certainly more people at that than the wedding. Yeah. Well, will there be scanning uh, software available at the party? At the, the wedding or...? <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, instead of a photo booth, they can yeah. get their faces scanned. I don't see any reason why we can't do that. Of course, to um, you can go to melbourne.sciencegallery.com. That's going to confuse the people. Just melbourne. Google it. Just Google it. Google Science Gallery Melbourne. Not only perfection, but you can have a look at Because it's now public knowledge that you're building the new building. Yeah, that's right. And that's going to... When are we... 2020, D. When are we starting on it? Oh, the build has started. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Now, is the Metro Tunnel getting in your way? No. Oh, well, I mean, there's a lot of construction in Melbourne at the moment, isn't there? Oh, well, that's right. Yeah. I think the Metro Tunnel's getting in everyone's way. But the exciting thing is, is that once the uh, train station opens, it'll be, you know, oh, right, right opposite yeah. our gallery. So what is, is bitch, 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 great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the way Victorians go. Yeah. Doesn't Daniel Andrews know it? Doesn't he? It's a time of great development. Hey, I'm really interested to hear about the Science Gallery Melbourne. It's great to finally right. know what you do for a living. We'll come back after the break and we'll talk about what I do for a living. How fascinating. Mm. Mm. Or will we? <laughs> Joy. You're on Joy 94.9. You're with Dan or Mason. Well, to be honest, it's a Dan or Mason show. But Lee Casey is in the studio. Hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. Hello, Lee Casey. Hey, um, have you enjoyed your time with Dan or Mason? I have loved Isn't it. It's great when Dano's out of the office. Hi, Dano. I just got a text from her to say she is listening. 
but she's on the road, so we couldn't really... Hello, Dano. Apologies for the... Uh my hosting. <laughs> co-hosting, Sorry. darling. Yeah, co-hosting. We call it co-hosting when yeah. you're not actually... In the driver's seat. Yeah, that's mm. right, touching stuff. Funny, uh, Rachel, we were poring over an article earlier mm. about this new technology, which is very exciting. It is. Finally, oh, thank God, finally, they've found a way to make condoms feel like they're not on. <laughs> thank God. Oh, my God, because that's been worrying me for years. What a relief. Oh, my God. Well, luckily... They've got some of the greatest science minds. Like there's people that have, I'm going to guess men, that have gone to school, then gone to university and Mm -hmm. got a science degree Mm -hmm. and then the government said, here's a million dollars. Can you come up with something? Because this is kind of, I can't really feel it. So can you come up with a better (laughs) condom than this? This is legitimate. Um, Last night, the New South Wales government announced that it had put $1 million in grant funding Mm. from, you know, there was a $10 million pool. So they've put a million dollars... And they've handed it out to this company that is proposing to make a condom that you can't feel. And that's that's where we're putting our medical funding. Yeah. This is our med tech for I'm, the year. I know that we're running quite up to the wire here, but I want us to come up in the next eight minutes with a list of ten things. Just go around the table, I reckon we can do it. Mm. Ten things medical science could address before we spend money on feelless condoms. <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. I'm cancer. Lee? Ta- <laughs> a tax-free. <laughs> tax-free. <laughs> tax-free yeah, condom, tax that's right. Condom. Oh, I hope they don't put GST on those things. I know, ridiculous. I want a feel-free, can't feel it's their tampon. Yeah. How about we work on that? I want a tampon with no GST. Yeah, mm. that you can't feel. That you mm. can't feel. Yeah. Mm. Magic. Mm. Maybe some sort of birth control that doesn't involve shoving something up here or filling you with chemicals to make yeah, you cranky. Yeah, right. Male birth control. Yes, there you go. Well, it's been a shit ton of money coming up with Viagra. Yeah. Mm. That was a great idea. Which is, I think... Well, you know, I think... Tax-free, isn't it? My my thought on that is let's just deal with the erections we've got before we start making new ones. Exactly. That's enough-sies. I think a reverse Viagra. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I just want to come up with a name for that. Yeah. Mm. Would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of, you know... Flasagra. Yeah. Flasagra. Yeah. Take this. Well, I think once you've had it, you can't unhave it. You've just got to let it run its course. Once you've had what? The Viagra. Oh, I'm not familiar. Anyway, tell us how this condom's going to work. Is it a spray-on? No, no, it's it's a condom. Spray They're using on. a new material called, that they're calling hydrogel. Mm-hmm. Um, and in theory, it's also going to provide better STI protection. Well, there is that, isn't there? And we do Quite joke about it, but if I'm sure if anything makes the young chaps more keen to wear one so that they protect themselves. And mm. I'm, t- I'm talking to you, the gay community, as well as our heterosexual friends. You had a very scary stat for me earlier today, Rachel. The, what's the greatest, what's the highest rise in AIDS infection at the moment? The fastest growing group of people, new people, new infections of HIV are young women. Can't believe it. I know, right? Well, I protect yourselves, it. ladies. Yeah. Everybody got a little bit lax, didn't they? They did. The epidemic, they went, oh, that was yucky. That's mm. gone. Not. Anyway, and I think a lot of women think it's not a uh, that it's a male. It's not a lady disease. Yeah, it's a male mm. disease. So anyone can get it. You were mm. saying earlier, <laughs> earlier, Lee, because we were talking about you know when I was coming out into society in the nineties, let's call it, even though it was the eighties, um, that it, all the ladies were all up with the dental dams and the gloves, and yeah. the, there's all this protection kind mm. of stuff going on. You not so much. Not so much. You I said, mean, this feels like quite a personal conversation. Does, doesn't but, it, for um, it doesn't matter because people don't know who we are. Yeah, it's fine. But um, that all disappeared. 
Yeah, after that's a right. while. But I do remember because that was during my time on earth um, and I remember once going to the dentist and he pulled out a dental dam and he's coming towards me with it. I was like, <gasps> and then I went, oh, dental oh, dam. Yeah. That makes sense to me now. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.